What's up, everybody? I'm Justin Maytat here with my sister, Melissa Matat. Hey, hey, everybody. And we are Room 51, a podcast where we talk all things board gaming. Today, we're joined by a special guest, the designer of the role-playing game Misspent Youth, Robert Boll. Hi, everyone. Nice to be here. And today, we're going to be talking about the consequences in role-playing games and how we're able to experience scenarios and consequences from those scenarios and role-playing games that we don't have to experience in real life. Did I kind of describe that okay? I think so. I think that uh, it went well. (laughs) Sweet. All right, Robert, since you're our guest, would you like to kick us off? You know, so what what I thought of, well, I mean, I'm so obviously, like, just to set the table, like, uh, that's kind of the, the, the... Dealing with fictional consequences that you don't have to deal with in the real world is kind of like the the heart of you know why people play role playing games, right? Like you wanna you wanna pretend to be somebody else and deal with their problems. You know, there's that joke. You know, I'm an old D and D guy, or used to be. I'm not so much D and D anymore, but like we used to joke around about like you know uh, 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 taxes and tickets. You know, like that would be the game that they would play in the D and D world or something, where, where you know, their lives are not constantly threatened or something. Um, but what I find interesting actually is how many role playing games run away from consequences. But you know, like the whole murder hobo thing of like, oh, we're just these like homeless people who exist to go and kill people and take their stuff and move on. And 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 in that way you know, a big portion of the hobby of role-playing games is played, you know, as almost like a video game with without an alignment system, you know, where you're just like, you know, racking up kills. Um, and I think the, the last, you know, thing I, I thought was that, and you know, you don't want real life consequences. You don't want to, you know, uh, you want, if you're playing a thief, you know, you probably don't want the real life consequences of being a thief, but a little bit of real life consequences. Nice. You know, this idea of bleed where like, you know, you might feel as though, you know, like uh, I was playing this merciless spider who was helping to invade the forgotten realms. And, uh, I saw this elf get mistreated in a way that I had been mistreated. And I was like, I just felt this like incredible sense of like, what it must be like to have these scales fall away from your eyes, uh, you know, in that moment, which is a really nice consequence, but then you don't want too much consequence. And that's why you get into like things like safety mechanics where you can say like, Oh, you know, if you're, if you're feeling overwhelmed because we've been too good at the horror because some silly person uh, (laughs) decided to bring the story or, or, or take an action that's, that's really, you know, upsetting to you personally. Um, so yeah, that's my my melange of thoughts that come from this this prompt. Got it. Yeah. So there's a few things that you were talking about that resonated with me. I, I'll go a little bit into the whole, I guess, what you were calling bleed uh, in terms of like feeling empathy for the characters that are being shown to you in this world, and then possibly even feeling like maybe I've actually dealt with that in real life, and now it's being yeah. presented to me in this game. And that's interesting, too, where maybe I could almost gain like a sense of mastery through doing that Um, from a psychology background. I think about that a lot in terms of like this idea of gaining mastery over whatever sort of trauma or uh, obstacle has faced you. And 
it's interesting that you bring that up in terms of a role playing game where it could be again presented to you and maybe you could deal with it in a different way that you might not have in real life and maybe could have even been a poor choice in real life to do. Uh, maybe it would have been a more dangerous yet more fulfilling choice. Uh, and maybe you could actually go ahead and do that through the lens of role playing. And that could be possibly therapeutic or even a healing process, which might be really interesting uh, to think about. Yeah, like uh, I, I, I have the game I'm, I'm designing or developing right now uh, is called Demi Humans, and it's about uh, mm -hmm. uh, magical people who's, uh, who, who are living in a community, uh, uh, but there's humans who are non-magical who are in control and sort of magic is in decline and, and you know, it's sort of like the racism <laughs> genocide game in some ways. And, uh, and you know, I was playing the game uh, online with three black people, uh, me and a white GM. And uh, the white GM, you know, after, after the session was like, let me check in with you folks. How do you feel about this? And uh, uh, one of the guys was like, it's great. Cause you know, I'd like to punch people in the face sometimes in the real world. And uh, I'm not equipped to do that or deal with the consequences, but uh, here, you know, the consequences make for fun fiction. So great. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> so. <laughs> huh. Wow, that's very cool. That's, it's great when you make a game. I mean, I, the, the problem with this game is that I'm working very, very hard cause it's easy to make this game turn racist in play you know so mm -hmm. like i'm working very very hard to like make it that fun kind of of release rather than like i said you know good consequence rather than bad consequence yeah that's what i was kind of thinking about so i think there's that good way in which uh you can start to feel real empathy you know you feel real emotions through your character in the role playing game but I think that is also is important to check in and make sure that everybody's okay with the emotions that this game's giving you. Because you might, uh, it, it sounds like from the game you're designing, it, you're uh, teetering on the fine line kind of thing of you yeah. might get to a point where, oh, this is too much for some people. Like they don't, they don't want to be experiencing these emotions in this game. Or maybe they're even going into the game to escape from those emotions, you know, not, yeah. they don't want to be, and whether or not that's healthy or not, I don't know. But it might just not be what they want from the game itself. Yeah, it's super important that a game flags very clearly what it's about. You know, like uh, uh, that's why, like you know, like I, I, you could be a sex positive person and a person who's fine with cursing and stuff and all that, and you know, at, in the wrong context, like at work or something, it's it's totally unwelcome. You know, uh, yeah, absolutely. that's a fantastic analogy, actually. <laughs> And you know, I, I should say, like, I dropped this term safety mechanics, but I didn't talk about what it is. So, like, like the, the simplest thing, which is the thing my friend John Stavropoulos invented, is something called the X card, which is is just, you know, if something is virgin is like, you know, something comes up that you don't want to deal with, you know, could be anything from like silly play, you know, when you when you thought this was a serious game to like, you know, offensive or hurtful things, or like your particular PTSD triggers that no one could ever possibly anticipate, like uh, uh, something covered with uh, uh, cat fur, you know? Because uh, I'm looking at something covered with cat fur. <laughs> you know, PTSD <laughs> triggers can be almost anything, you know? Um, and so uh, and, and, and so that's a blunt tool. The X card, you're like, nope, stop, we're done. We're skipping ahead. Or, you know, you could explain or not, you know? 
Uh, and then there are other tools like um, Brebo Sheldon's uh, uh, um, script change. Uh, and that's a bit wider set of tools, uh, which is like, uh, you know, uh, fast forward, you know, like I'm fine that this happened, but let's move past it. Uh, rewind, I want to talk about that. And like, it didn't happen, you know, stop versus pause, you know, so you can have uh, things mean different things. And, and ideally what I think games should do, and I haven't done it yet, so I'm a little hypocritical, is, uh, is include <laughs> safety mechanics into play. And I, 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 I think like what I've done with my games is I've rendered them safe and I've, I've, I've put the warnings in there. And that's like why developing Demi-Humans is gonna take so long because I wanna make it a safe game. You know, and I'll talk about, hey, there are these safety mechanics you could use, but uh, maybe we'll get to the point of, of integrating them. But I think really the best way to, 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 to make them is not have a bolt-on thing where like, oh, some harm already happened. So now we have to deal with that and, and roll it back. And if, you know, someone very smart could figure out a way to like, you know, maybe people get to positively include things or, or whatever. Just if you integrate it into, into the system, and I know that there are games that have done this. There are games that are all about consent. That you can that that can be very productive and and the last thing that I'll say and I know that I'm a motor mouth and I'm sorry. No, you're good. The last thing I'll say on all this is that safety tools. A lot of times people are like, well, I like dark play and I don't want safety tools to get in the way and I don't want people using safety tools to like marry sue their characters and get everything that they want and stuff. Um, but uh, you know, trapeze artists uh, practice with a net because it lets them do really extraordinary things and figure out what's safe. Uh, and and then you know when they go live, maybe they don't use the net because they're really good at those things. So so that's sort of the equivalent. Like you can be freer and and more daring with uh, safety tools. Even with people you know, uh, you know, a lot of people say use them for strangers, but you know, let's say you've had a tough day and you're like, hey, could we use an X card today? Um, that can allow you to go to darker places. You know, it's 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 the it's the kink world thing of a safe word, you know. You can you can go to darker, more dangerous places because you have this culture that says we care for people and you have a rule that says things end because we said a thing. So yeah, that's that's again where I'm at with that. I, I like that analogy with the trapeze artists and everything. And I was even thinking as you were speaking in terms of the safeguards with, because Justin and I were more of board gamers and that's usually, and I was speaking to you about this off the podcast, but that this is what most of our content is about, board games. And it's interesting that board games kind of already have that safeguard where you could look it up, you could see what that game is about. Is it too much for you? Is it too gory? Whatever it might be. And you could just say, I'm not buying it. But with things like role-playing games, it happens so organically, right? And you have a real-life human uh, just sort of narrating what's going on and sort of setting up uh, the game itself and you're playing along with it or even contributing to it. And that lends itself to being just more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Prone to things happening that maybe some players wouldn't have been very comfortable or even the uh, game master themselves isn't very comfortable with. And so I, th I like this idea of safeguards built into the game. I think that even um, from what I can remember in Misspent Youth, you give it <clears throat> like a rating system where you could yeah. say, 
right, what the rating system is. And that way we can all come to a clear understanding of what we're looking for in this game today. And yeah. uh, it, it just sets the the standard for what's going to go on uh, for that session or campaign, whatever it might be. I thought it was such a simple and uh, almost obvious thing to do where I, I wonder why it's actually not used as uh, much, not that I'm well-versed in role-playing games but <laughs> when i saw it i was like yeah like duh that should be there you know um just to make sure everybody's on the same page yeah well, I the like that as well sorry, go ahead oh no, 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 i'm sorry i like that as well i was also just gonna quickly add how especially in role-playing games since uh i find that a lot of things happen off the cuff even if mm -hmm. you've planned your right. session and everything still a lot of the interaction happens off the cuff so it's really good to know what and have that in the back of your mind what everybody is okay with and or just having those safeguards because honestly you want to really try to avoid saying something off the cuff that's going to really impact somebody so yeah that was just something i was gonna add absolutely well like cause what to, to sort of touch off what both of you were saying board games are constrained you know like any game needs sort of social safety rules. I've played Magic and, and seen, ter you know, Magic Gathering, and, and there's no narrative element there, but there's still terrible behavior because people can be terrible. But, mm -hmm. like, when you add in each human being's infinite world of creativity, even people who don't think they're creative are, they just don't know it. Um, yes, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you can't be human <laughs> without being creative. It's, it's part of our wiring. Uh, uh, each of those pools of uh, it's amazing that role-playing games even work that 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 sit you know three to eight people can simultaneously imagine the same thing enough to communicate about it and put fiction in and and you know have it come back out again uh but yeah so that, that board game designers they just have to make sure that they're not writing something actively awful whereas role-playing game <laughs> designers have to make sure the thing that they used and made as clearly as they could as much as possible can't be used to become awful uh my friend james mendez hose has this great uh essay called the giant robot robot of offense and he talks about it being a Voltron thing where like building the legs, I, I'm gonna mesh this a little bit, but building the legs is, you know, you don't say anything outright racist and sexist. And, you know, building the body is, uh, you don't say anything subtly racist or sexist or your rules don't say, you know, terrible things. And then building the head, which is a constant effort, is making the game so that it can't be used to do harm to somebody, which will never happen because people are people, but like, because you get the infinite power of, of six to eight people, you need to try and like curtail that in some way if you can. And it's, it's, it is tough. The other thing I would say is that one of the things that, that misspent youth does is over and over again, it says everyone has to agree to this, um, mm -hmm. uh, which is not a, a safety mechanic, but if people are reading the book, and, and if they're like, oh, well, what do the rules say? The rules frequently say, well, what does everybody say? Does everybody agree, agree to this? And, you know, people can be socially domineered by a socially powerful person, but, uh, but, but that's, that's building the head, right? You keep, just keep trying to add everything you can so that from any given angle, like, it, it discourages bad use. Yeah, well, I mean, that even... That is interesting because I mean you you said there about just the idea of getting like six or eight people into a room and having them all imagine at least something similar enough that 
they can output the same thing in the same world and everything. That right there is amazing. And it it's interesting that whole concept of like building the head and trying to make it that the game can't be put to bad use. And role playing games are obviously like it's very hard not I mean, if you have a whole group of people that want to put it to bad use they can very yeah. easily turn a misspent youth uh session or a dungeons and dragons session into something that just sounds really sick uh i mean i think that'd be easy and one thing that was funny though that you also brought up was how like match at the gathering players and i i've also matched at the gathering player and i've been in tournaments where you know the social constructs of that game start to get insane where you think they were playing a violent role-playing session uh I, I even started thinking though about how like even sometimes party games will kind of turn into that. Like mm. let's say it's a social deduction game and stuff, and people will start to kind of get a little ruthless with each other. Yeah. And even though the game obviously is not designed to be like that, I think that's what can happen inside of role playing groups and just large groups in general is you start to maybe get like one bully or one person that kind of just starts to ringlead something that others aren't okay with. But if there's no mechanic to kind of prevent that person from you know really taking control what do you do about it you know do you just walk away from the table like or does the game need the mechanic and what can role-playing games do it and even other games have to make sure that things like that don't happen like what can you really do that doesn't get in the way of the game i guess well it's interesting too because when we were first talking we we're talking about uh the ability to make choices in these games that have no real life consequences. But I guess at the same time, it does, right? In terms of just human behavior, where yes, in game, your character could do things that doesn't have any real life consequences, but the way you behave at that table does, right? As you're playing the game, and then even as the game master or player, where you make some sort of decision in the game to say, like, this really bad, awful thing is happening that might be sort of traumatic or offensive to somebody, it starts to bleed into actual real-life consequences, which is also sort of fascinating where there's this balance and this give and take of what's happening in-game that's okay to play around with, mess around with, and kind of just like let loose and be whoever you are. Uh, and on the other hand, what are you doing that's also still having these real-life effects on the people around you? So I think all of that is very, very interesting as uh, it all just sort of blends together in a way. Yeah, and for my own part, like, uh, uh, you know, like that thing with the party games, like I, I you know, how, how they can get they can get nasty competitive. Like, I don't like, I, I thought that, like, I wasn't competitive for a long time. And then I realized I don't like competitive games because I'm too competitive and I don't handle it like an adult, you know, and it matters to me too much. It makes me feel too bad. Uh, and so... So like, for example, that's why I'm not as much of a part of why I'm not as much of a board game person because it's, you know, it is largely an adversarial thing. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how to play this. I'm terrible. You know, like, uh, <laughs> whereas like I can BS in a role playing game, you know, I, can, I, I have no stories and I can say stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and, and so, so it's funny for me, I often feel more real life consequences out of a board game, like this sort of like tension in my stomach kind of feeling for being stupid, for not being able to master this game immediately, which is completely unfair to myself, uh, uh, than I do from a lot of role-playing games, you know, unless things go badly in a role-playing game, you know? 
Yeah, that actually just kind of triggered a thought for me that uh, goes back to the idea of consequences and everything of something that's also cool in a role-playing game. Like, at least for me, and some people won't feel that way. Some people want to be like this amazing hero in the role-playing game, and they want to be the champion and everything. And that's cool and all. But like for me, if you're sucking, like, you know, you roll a um, like an acrobatic check and then you trip over a rock... That doesn't mean you suck at the game. That's part of the story, you know? And that's, like, just so cool how you can be making awful decisions and just doing the worst things and just constantly rolling ones and whatnot. And it doesn't mean you suck. That's just part of the story. So it's also really cool to, and at least for me, because I I, I feel this way, but I know there are probably people that are like, no, I want to be the hero in this story. But for me, like me sucking in the role playing game is a really fun part of the story. I I love those moments where you try to climb up a rock to do something cool and you couldn't make it up the rock. Like I love that. I I love when games are like when you can min max a game and play it really ruthlessly to the game and try to win the game, and that makes a wonderful story. Uh, like like so like you know. Uh, in in a lot of role playing games, if you roll a miss, then just nothing happens, you know. But then smart games, uh, uh, what they do is they'll they'll say like, well, interesting things have like like the powered by the apocalypse systems, for example. A lot of times, you know, it it it, it tells you what happens and what exciting things happen on a miss, or it tells you it gives you some hard choices to make on a, like, like a mixed success versus a full success. And then some games are like, well, you know, failure, uh, we want you to play into failure. This game works if you play into failure. Some games are like, you get experience when you roll misses. When you fail at the, at, at the thing in your character, you know, that's that old thing of like, you learn only through, through, through hardship, you know? Uh, uh, so there's all, all kinds of ways that games can make, uh, role-playing games can make losing fun and, and the consequence is interesting and exciting. And the fact that it's not your life and it's not your body, you know, means that you can like, you know, as they say, like, play, uh, uh, you know, drive it like a stolen car, you know, where you can just, uh, uh, especially in like a one-shot con game, you can be like, well, I'm going to burn the world down uh, just to make an interesting story, you know, and I'm not going to save anything up for like someday when it gets cool, you know? Well, I what I also love about these things where you do fail you're still the hero of that story, right? Like, just because you messed it up doesn't mean you're no longer the hero in the story. You keep going on and continue being that hero uh, with these possibly, hopefully, interesting consequences. Whereas in real life, um, when you fail, you're not really looked at as a hero, uh, yeah. which is unfortunate. But yeah, the, the these role-playing games, they allow for that, where it's like, yeah, I can mess up and still be the hero, and I could just keep on messing up and tripping over that rock, and I'll still, you know, slay that dragon or whatever, you know? Uh, and, and it's cool. And fiction is not interesting when it's just a series of wins, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you need, you need that advert. Like, I was playing, a, I was running a World of Darkness game one time, and uh, it was a bunch of mortals who didn't know about supernatural stuff. And I was slowly uh, getting them into the supernatural world. And then like, they did things that I was like, shit, they're gonna, ha- oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good, you're all right, that's okay. <laughs> they did things where I was like, oh man, you're gonna need to go to jail now. And so I talked to my friend Judd Carlman about it. And he was like, yeah, so send them to jail. You know, the, the world of darkness is not, not in jail. 
you can mm-hmm. still have them find things out, or you can say, okay, it's 10 years later, you're back out of jail. You know, uh, it, we have so much freedom in a role-playing game uh, to, you know, to jump ahead a decade if you want to. There's no sets that need to be built. We don't have to wait for actors to age. Um, uh, so yeah, like, like we have that kind of power to be like, yeah, that's the failure. I, uh, again, I'll, I'll mention my friend Judd has this podcast called uh, Daydreaming About Dragons. And one of the things he likes to talk about a lot is just like letting the failure be part of the story. So this is the story where everyone died. Okay, so, but we're not done as a group and, and we've only got to play three, three sessions of this and we planned on it being 10. So like, why don't we play the people who are going in after them to find out what happened to them? Or why don't we play the, the guide that got left behind uh, that said he wouldn't go far and now like he's just like too curious and he wants to find out what happened. So it, 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 it's nice how, and, and you know, also a lot of games are played as though there is no consequence because people think that that's fun. But when you play a game with consequence, you start to realize, oh no, that's much more fun. Uh, if mm-hmm. if I have to suffer, like like one of the things that that makes Demi Humans, I think, a, a better game than than a lot of fantasy games is that it's set in a place. So if you kill somebody, uh, that's fine. But the Imperium still exists, and they're going to want to know why their guy got killed. You know, I like that. I really like the notion of letting failure being part of the story, because I think a lot of times we live in this society where we feel as though failure can't be part of our story. It, ah. It's not. Yeah, it's looked down yeah. upon. And in these games, it's like, no, it'll be part of the story and it'll actually make it more fun. And it'll it, it's inevitable. It's going to happen just like in real life. It's going to happen. But in these RPGs, these stories, it, it's not only, yeah, it's going to happen. It's actually totally acceptable. And sometimes you're kind of hoping for it just to have that like sense of uh, something interesting to happen, which is really, really cool. And I like that a lot. Absolutely. And it can be great in fiction, too. Like, one of the things I loved about George R. R. Martin's uh, uh, Song of Ice and Fire books is that over and over, you'd be again, you'd be like, oh, no, this is how can anything ever be the same? Like, it's all over. Like, it's so <laughs> terrible. And, and all my hopes are gone. And I still have like a thousand pages of this book, you know? Um, and that's exciting. Yes. You feel like you're alive. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I know for me, when I'm uh, doing the Dungeon Master role, one of my favorite things is the look on my players' faces when it's like, it looks like that's it. You know, that uh, we just all got knocked unconscious from some dude that we should have never been fighting. And just the look of like, what do we do? And I'm just like, until next time. And then I never do another <laughs> session again. Until we <laughs> I just no. love that look of like, oh, they know, like, they, they, in their heads, it's like, no, we were never, we would never lose a fight till the end of the story. It's like, well, that's not true. <laughs> Bunch of level ones picked in fights with level fives. Like. <laughs> Pretty. That's a pretty good evil DM moment. My my worst was a guy didn't show up one week, and we were NPCing his character, and he died alone in a room, killed by a rug, an animated rug. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus. So. 
<laughs> and in fact, the other players watched it. They were like, we're not going in there. <laughs> and that's the beautiful thing. You know, you can experience that without the real life consequences. Yeah, right. <laughs> and also, well, it's D&D, right? So if you can fish his body up out of there, you can just, you know, or, or part of it, you can bring it back and, you know, get it resurrected. You know? <laughs> Yeah, even death isn't a real consequence. Yeah, seriously, you have the saving throws first, and then you actually <laughs> die, and then you can get resurrected. And not only, like, you've got, like, four levels of, of it, you know, do you want the, the budget come back to life where yeah. you lose the level and, and you're all messed up? Do you want the, 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 the dicey one where maybe you come back as a storm giant or maybe you come back as a porcupine? <laughs> or do you want, like, the real solid one that costs a diamond worth a thousand gold pieces or whatever? Yeah, it's, it's – it's, well, you know, <laughs> uh, someone said once that, uh, that World of Darkness and, and D&D tell two different American myths. And the World of Darkness tells, like, the teenage, you know, rebel – myth of no one understands you you're special it's dangerous if anyone really knew who you were sure dangerous and and you're a cool person and D&D gives you this myth that like if you start as a peasant and you work really hard and you you know stamp on other people's backs one day you will be like a god <laughs> <laughs> amazing i love that. i love that too man that was awesome <laughs> All right. Not mine. I just wish I could know who to credit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been another Roll for Thought. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa McCacke. God, that's my name, Melissa McCacke. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook called Room 51. And Robert, where could people find you? I'm uh, at Robert Bowl on Twitter, R-O-B-E. R-T-B-O-H-L, and also Facebook slash Robert Bowl. Um, and, uh, you know, you can see information about my game and development at demihumans.com, and you can see Misspent Youth at misspentyouth.robertbowl.com. And so, thank you so much for having me on. This This went by like nothing. It was great. Yeah, I yeah, just have to thank fun. you. We were so excited to have you, and I, I felt like it went really, really well. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, man. That was awesome. You've been listening to Room 51. Yeah, I found out about your game a few years back on Tabletop with Will Wheaton and everything. Yeah, that was uh, huge. Yeah, sure. and yeah, that was it. Sold me right there. I was like, wow, this game's amazing. <laughs> so I, yeah. uh, and I was on the set. Uh, I was like the on set, like. I, I, before the game started, I like I got to sit with them all and sort of explain the game. And like Will didn't the key thing that Will didn't understand was you have to roll before you say what you're doing. And okay. uh, and I had to explain that like three or four different ways. And when he finally got it, he was like, "Oh, all right." <laughs> but like, what was great was in a prior season he'd gotten into trouble uh, for getting game rules wrong. And I, yeah. as they were playing, I was like, "I don't think that's right." And he said, "Hold on." And like we went and looked, and he was like, "Well, the book says right here." And I'm like, "Oh my God, Will corrected me on my game. That's great." 